Hey everybody, hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying sane, staying in shape. For me, those three are one and the same. This is the San Diego Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy podcast, both by and for members of the gym, where we will be highlighting some of our members and their stories to give you a little insight into the people there and how Jiu-Jitsu has impacted their lives. If you like this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend, especially one who doesn't train already. We always talk about the power Jiu-Jitsu has and how much it adds to all of our lives by sharing this, you're supporting the gym and maybe helping your friend make a decision that was you know, going to have a substantial impact on their life as well. Um, you can also support the gym by purchasing any of our shirts, rash guards, jackets, and geese. And if you want to support another great cause and are looking for even more jiu-jitsu-related gear, check out store.tapcancerout.org and use promo code AMB underscore Wes underscore friends for a 10% discount. That's Alpha, Mary, Bravo, underscore, Whiskey, Epsilon, Sam, underscore, Friends, for a 10% discount. This is a powerful one, folks. We laughed, we cried. This is one of my favorite conversations to date. My guest today is Charlene Juarez. Charlene and her husband, Chris, and their two daughters all train at SDBJJ, and she talks about how they got started. She offers her perspective on training, both as a mom and a woman, and the lessons and joy Jiu-Jitsu has given her, so... Please welcome Charlene Juarez. It is so hot in my room right now. I'm like trying to, I try to like keep the ceiling fan off. That way there's no like extra sound or anything else going on. And so I'm sitting here in sweats like this was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I actually did the opposite. I'm like, I don't want to overheat. And I went and I put the AC on like 69. (laughs) <laughs> See, you're much smarter than I am. You're a forward thinker. <laughs> or just hot. <laughs> uh, what are you up to this Sunday? Um, nothing really. I've got some stuff I have to take care of for work. It's kind of the balance with what's going on since Chris is working from home too. So he tries to take the kids on the weekend so I can do my Um, And then nothing really. Just yeah, that's been... Today. That's been a really interesting part of this that I'm hearing from a lot of people. Obviously, I don't, I don't understand it from experience, but, you know, everybody's working at home, plus the kids have to do school at home. And so it's like Wi-Fi bandwidth and who gets what computer at what time. It could be uh, quite a uh, yes. juggling act. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Cause, like, even now you would think I would just go use my home office stuff, but I never had a home office because I don't work from home. So I had to go clean out my office. My home office is set up on some counter, like in the laundry room. And I work standing because I like working standing. But I'm like, for the podcast, I'm like, I don't think that'll work. So now I'm in Chris's office space. I don't know how everything works in here. And my kid's computer already had Zoom on it because they Zoom. So I'm using their computer. So I'm just not familiar with all their little settings as they are. (laughs) Is Zoom what they use for for their school? Yeah, they do these Zoom meetings once a day. Although I'll have to say as a parent, I, I started to opt out. They don't do their Zoom. I give them the choice. It was making them sad. You know, they see all their friends on Zoom. and But yet, um, the way San Diego Unified structured it, or their teachers at least, like, they don't get to talk to their friends. Everybody's on mute. And so right. it just starts to be, like, the sad thing of, like, they're checking in for one hour a day they're supposed to. But, you know, to see your friends for one hour and you're on mute and you don't get to talk to them, it's just kind of like a constant reminder that something's going on. And, um I don't know. I just took it on upon myself. I'd like to think I'm kind of an exciting hobbyist parent and we do other things like we're outdoor people. We're constantly doing things. And, um, I think that's more important than like trying to rush home and make sure we're at a one o'clock zoom meeting. That was just kind of making them down. I hear you. And can they go back? (laughs) What do you say? I said every parent kind of like chooses what they want. I know that doesn't work for everyone, but I found that like, that's what works for our family right now. I hear you. Can they go back and watch the lesson at a later time or they have to be there like at one? Um, San Diego Unified was a little late to figure that out. So our teachers now are posting the lessons like at a little bit of a later time. Um, so if they want to go back and watch it, they can. And I've just given my girls the option. Sometimes they'll stay up late and they'll be doing some stuff on programs and sometimes not. Um, you know, they're pretty good. I feel like I fill their day with a lot of uh, enrichment activities anyway. And you know, I work for the school district, so I kind of know how some of this goes. Like, come on, like in my eyes, this is just my opinion, is like the last five or six weeks of school, I work in an elementary school, it's like party time anyway. Like this idea that they're missing like monumental lessons and oh my God, we're going to have to hold everyone back. Like these weird thoughts people have. I'm like, it's elementary school. <laughs> my kids like really don't even know what's going on. 
And I try to shelter them from that a little bit. They know a little bit of what's going on, but to them, it's like we're in early summer. You know, they don't need the stress of knowing that we're we going back to school. Are we not going back to school? And I felt like a lot of adults are making more of a deal than it is to children. Children are very resilient. And so that's just been my approach as parenting. Now, I know that doesn't work for every family. I know that there are many children that aren't as privileged as my children, um, that don't have a lot, really need Zoom. They really need this interaction. Um, it's just my kids are don't. So that's just kind of the route we've taken. I hear you. And yeah, if it's working for them, right, they're doing the Zoom lessons on their own time. And then, like you said, you're doing a lot of stuff. I know you tell me you're always at like the uh, community garden in Escondido, right? Yeah. So like we're big gardeners. So we'll go there and um, we got a couple things. We have our own plot where we um, grow a lot of vegetables. We're big on tomatoes right now. We got all kind of crazy tomatoes growing. Um, but on top of that, last year, uh, we took on um, refurbishing a butterfly garden they had there. So my girls for many years have won some awards at the Del Mar Fair for um, a butterfly garden they've run out of our backyard. And so I thought, oh my gosh, this is a way for them to take this thing they've been doing in their backyard and they brought it into like a community platform, right? So like they don't always know what I'm plotting with these things. Like, you know, as a parent, you're planning their future. But like, I'm like, okay, like this is what it means. Now we're doing it in a community and it's really been awesome because now, you know, there's a lot of seniors there and they come by and you can just see it like brings them to life to see the kids gardening, to see this butterfly garden that we refurbish. Like there's just a lot that happens there. And there's times where I think, gosh, is it really impacting my kids that much? Cause there's times they don't want to go. I don't want to do the work. I don't feel like going to the garden today or I don't like doing this. But then the other day they were on the phone with their cousins that they hadn't talked to in Texas for a while. Oh my gosh, they talked about the gardens like it was the most amazing thing in their life. And they knew all this information. I'm like, they're actually retaining what we're doing over there. And they were proud. Like they were speaking of it, like they had accomplished all these things. And I thought, my goodness, you know, they don't say that to me. To me, they're like, I'm going to play my video games. I'm going to stay home. But ultimately, <laughs> like, making them get out and do these things, it does impact them really positively. And I'm huge on community service. That's always been like a big thing for me. Like, be the smartest kid, don't be the smartest kid, whatever. But as long as you're always doing community service in your life, um, you will have a path somewhere. And so my girls, like, I have always, um, I love the San Diego County Fair, by the way. And one of the reasons is there's, there's all these little facets for kids to compete in projects. And one of them is community service. And so my girls have always competed and they're like reigning first place champions in community service. That's so, awesome. Yeah, and it was a hard one, too, because when Ella became old enough to compete, you know, she's younger than Maya, and she's kind of a little stinker. Like, Maya has to work really hard in life for her accomplishments, you know, and um, Ella has a way of, like, not having to work hard, but outshining the world, and so it's this weird balance of, um, I'm like, my God, they're going to compete against each other. You know, Ella had built this wildlife habitat. Um, that particular year was huge for Maya. She went and did work with the... Um, uh, down in Mission Bay helping with the um, endangered lease turns. They go and they do like a habitat cleanup and she actually got interviewed by the newspaper. Oh, and man. so she had this like bomb project, right? So there's a picture of her in the paper. I'm like, this is her year. And then Ella goes and like, she got best in show. Everyone loved her project. And it's up to the judges. I'm like, oh, damn, this is a burn, you know? So it's so hard when you have those two types of children. Like, Maya's just my kid. She has to work so hard for something. And then Ella, like, you'll see her in jiu-jitsu class. She's got the whole facility. She's built like Chris, right? Like, she's a beast. We call her at home Baby Gabby. And that's after, that's her nickname. That's after Gabby Garcia. Because she is slotted to be, like, six feet tall. Ask to see her guns one day. I'm like, where does that come from? And she's built like Chris. All Chris's genes and Ella so she's got this amazing talented like body but she's just a goof in class and I'm like I always tell Maya piss her off because until she's pissed off she doesn't take it seriously you know you but you upset her all of a sudden bam she'll just like slam somebody on the mat I'm like yes <laughs> that's what we're talking about <laughs> you want to wake the beast yeah wake the beast yeah Before Maya like she's got like these tiny little frail bones and you know she talks too though yeah, she does. She's very technical and skillful. And she's, it's funny because she'll always be the one that's like the harder worker. And in life, you know, I always, I always say hard work will always outshine talent. Fact. And like, that's, you know, the balance of my girls right now, like Maya is my hard worker and Ella is my person who like gets everything on the first try. 
but at some point, you know, she's going to have to learn that like hard work balance. Yes. So, and I yeah, that to myself too. <laughs> it's almost like a disadvantage to be born talented because, you know, the, the trajectory of the hard worker in the long run, like you said, they accomplish more. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And in, in my life, I don't know, I've, I've talked a little bit, you know, I grew up as a professional ballet dancer and I was, I was born talented. I was the best of the best. And um, up until my 20s, I could walk into in an audition room. Um, you know, I had a full scholarship to San Francisco Ballet. And I could walk into a room in, in, in uh, Los Angeles, 100 girls, five of us will get accepted, two of us will get merit scholarships. And I was always that child that got the merit scholarship, but I was talented. I didn't have the worth ethic. So somewhere in my 20s, I just started making some bad choices. Like I just wasn't working hard and, you know, I just wanted a normal life and I threw all that talent away. Almost because I feel like I didn't earn it, you know? I was very, very good. I mean, I trained hard, but I didn't have that focused mindset that the person who doesn't walk in talented has to have because they have to work twice as hard. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's just like an interesting thing when you reflect on that. Now I try to bring that into my jujitsu. You know, I think about, there's no way I'm the most talented person in the room. I'm a mom. I'm like 40 years old, right? Like, this is something that's come to me very late in life. Not only that, you know, um, I'll openly say that, you know, I'm, I'm a heavyweight woman. I represent heavyweight women. And um, when I walk in a room, it usually it's predominantly male. There's very few women. And um, I know I'm not the highest skilled, you know, but there's one thing I know for sure that, like, I try to tell myself every class is, like, be the hardest worker. Yeah. And I, I hope people see that. Like, you'll never see me skip warm-ups. I will right. be so tired sometimes, and you will see me trembling across the floor. You will see me, like, scooting on my butt. And sometimes I'll look real sad, too, while I'm doing it. Because it's, like, a rule that I made for myself that I follow. <laughs> it's just not the day, but you just have to do it. You have to keep going. And, yeah. you know, it adds up week by week, month by month, and it just keeps going. And now I'm to the point where... Like, I never imagined any of this, Wes. Like, you know, when I started jiu-jitsu, it was a funny thing. Um, Chris had started first, my husband, Chris, um, Chris Juarez. I learned that I, I think all the Chris's at the gym need a nickname. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like I'm talking about my husband, Chris. And people don't realize that which Chris that is. And I don't want them thinking I'm talking about another Chris. You know what yes. I mean? Like my husband, a ton of mats, a ton of mics. Yes, yes. That's so I, so I feel funny. like you know, Giant Chris, maybe that's his nickname. I don't know. We have to come up with something, Wes. Giant Chris. <laughs> Chris, I don't know. <laughs> um, but he started first, and he started, you know, he had a friend that was really into it, and he got into it, and I'll never forget, oh my gosh, um, he, Chris was a bicyclist, so he was very into riding his bike to work, and he's very good. He's an excellent bicyclist, and um, he had dropped all that and just gotten into this Jiu-jitsu. I didn't know what jujitsu was. All I know is he started taking these classes and he signed up for a gym membership. And I was a little resentful. I'm like, who are you to just start like taking care of yourself out of nowhere? And, you know, and he was always there. And I remember sitting at dinner once and I had a long day at work and, you know, I'm feeding the kids and it was a really rough day. And Chris comes and he's super excited with He's like, look, I got a stripe on my belt. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I did not want to hear about your damn karate right now, okay? I'm like, oh, hell no, he's not. I have had a day from hell. He's talking about his karate. And I just looked at him like, good for you, you made it karate today. Like, like seriously, like it was just not a shine. And I reflect back on that moment all the time, like how sad for him. Like, I knew nothing, okay? I didn't know like what it meant to him to like earn that stripe. I didn't even know what a stripe was. He was trying to explain it to me. I was like pseudo listening because I'm dealing with our kids who are very little and you know, you're tired from work. And, and like I said, it was a little bit of resentment. Like he found a way to start taking care of himself. And then like it turned in from like, oh, he's trying it out to like, oh, he's sticking with it to next thing you know, I'm standing as like his wife at a promotion and he's getting this blue belt and like all of a sudden I realized in that moment, like, like he has something I don't have. Like, like he's so happy. It just changed the way he was and changed who he was. And then I started to feel really empty, you know, like, damn. And I was like, you know what? And Chris used to say to me, we have a really taunting relationship because we both get a little competitive. He'd say, 
he'd say stuff like, oh, you wouldn't even be able to earn a stripe. You don't know what a stripe is. Like he would get like, he'd challenge me because he knows in my personality, the minute you tell me I can't do something, like it's on, it's on. I'm the same way. Yes. So I remember like thinking, you know what? Um, As a family, and I think most families can relate, you start to become very disjointed in life, right? Chris and I have been married 10 years. We're both working parents from work. We're great parents. We take our kids to their activities. By the time you get home, like you've had no conversation in the day. You no longer have anything in common, Wes. Like you've gone a thousand different places in your day and now it's eight, nine o'clock at night and you're so tired and you don't have friends in common anymore because you don't work together. You don't have time to go out with friends. And um, we were spending a lot of money at that time on gymnastics. Obviously, Chris is not into gymnastics, you know, with the girls and not, so here I am, mom on the bench all the time. He always makes it the important stuff, but he'd be at jujitsu. So I had his finally just, I'm like, in, in life and in married life, I feel like you have to do this sometimes. You just have to take a risk and go down your partner's hole. You got to go down the rabbit hole. And I just realized, like, I was sitting there and I'm like, I have to go to jujitsu. Like, I have to, like, find a way to be a part of this thing in his life that is so important. And so... There's one day after work and I thought I would surprise Chris and I gathered up the kids. I said, girls, get in the car. We're signing up for jujitsu. And they were so excited. They're like, ah, you know, and they hadn't really been to the gym, but once or twice to see Chris, you know, he'd always invite us. He'd beg us to come watch. And I'd always be like, dude, I've been at work all day. Like I just picked up the kids. I have to make it. And like, I just would never go. It just wasn't important. Right. And so we packed him up and I'll never forget Paulo. He was so wonderful. Oh my gosh. We went in there. He got the girls keys. Um, it took him a couple weeks to get me started because I was very large, Wes. I've lost 30 pounds, but Paulo had the hardest time finding a gi that would fit me. And so, uh, but he was so nice about it, you know, and he finally was able to get a gi together that would work for me to go to the mat. And, um, so my first intentions were really just to go, you know, to try to bring the family back together again. The price is phenomenal. You know what they offer, unless you're a parent who's ever done gymnastics, sports, you name it cheerlead, whatever it is, it is thousands of dollars a month when you have two kids. My kids were going to gymnastics and for two kids, three lessons a week, the monthly bill was $1,200. And I did not feel like they were getting anything out of it. You know, they're chasseing around. I'm like, I can teach them that at home. Like what is going on here? You know, until they're older and they have those motor skills to actually do things in gymnastics. It's just like, why am I doing this? Um, so we went and signed up, blah, blah, blah. And it took me a while, you know, I, I had a lot of sadness because I didn't realize how much I let my body go. And so like the first class, I remember, I, I, I have always started off with small goals. I remember putting on the gi and thinking, I, I think my only goal this class is to not take my gi off. I was so hot, Wes. I was like suffocating in my gi, my own gi, like let alone any of the exercises. Like I'm like, if I can just make it through this class, in any class over the next couple of weeks and not take my gi off. Like that's how little my goals were because I let my body go for so long. And I remember even the first time I shrimped, um, that was a goal for a long time. Shrimping was like a three month goal for me. Like just to first time I shrimped, I remember it took me by the time I got from one side of the mat to the other, everybody was on their third or fourth set of warm up. And I just remember thinking, don't let it bother you. Don't let it bother you. Keep going. Like you have to start somewhere. Like if I don't finish this across the mat, I'm never going to get to the next exercise. And, um, some of that I draw from ballet because I know how important it is. You start minuscule and you do one minuscule thing like detailed over and over. So I thought, you know what, maybe I'll never make it to I say wrestling in the mat because at the time I didn't know the word sparring, but maybe I'll never make it into the middle of the mat for whatever they're doing. But today, this is my goal. Like I'm going to shrimp. And, um, and then slowly, like my warmups would get better. And like after two, three months, I was really proud. Like I came home to Chris, you know, I remember Chris, he'd brag about stripes. I brag about like, I shrimped across with everyone today. Like I kept up with like the group. And it took three months to get there. Like, it's not easy. And, um, you know, I say to people when, especially the parents, when you're up in that window and you're looking down, everything looks so easy from up there. But man, just like I said, put on a gi, just stand on the mat and a gi. Like that alone is so 
it's terrifying. It's scary. It's, you know, um, it was, you are preaching to the choir right now because like, I feel like the people who, the, the ones who actually go out there and do it with their kids have such a better understanding of everything that they're going through. It's so easy to sit there and look out the window and go, why aren't you doing that? Have you ever put the gi on? Have you ever even tied your belt? Like, and not to mention, you have so much more that you can relate to your kids on when you go, oh, you like, it's amazing to me to have a parent who starts after their kid and then their kid teaches them something or their kid talks to them about jujitsu. And I think that is so important. It's so easy to look from the ivory tower and say, you're doing this wrong. You do it. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, I hope, sometimes I really, really hope like when I'm down there and I'm, I'm feeling down and sometimes I can feel eyes looking at me like people are like, who's that? Like she actually does jujitsu because I think when people look at me, you know, they see I'm a, I'm a heavyweight woman. I'm getting smaller, but I'm still heavyweight. I'm older. And I hope that like, sometimes I look up at the moms and I see myself in those moms because I'm one of those moms too. Like they have undying love for their children. They're bringing them to practice. They're waiting up there. And, and, you know, and I know they're tired too. They just came home from work. So I see myself in them. And sometimes I just hope that like, sometimes they look down and see themselves in me too and think maybe, maybe I should go too. like, that's what I always hope, you know, is like, you know, one more mom will come down to the mat or just yeah. be able to push through that because it is hard. Like, we do everything for our families and they bring their kids and I know they're tired, Wes. I know they're so tired, but I tell you like this saved, like I, I say it like saved me in a way that like health wise, I just shared with Paula the other day, you know, we were talking about jams and essential, non-essential. I said, Paula, before I started, I was morbidly obese. And I said, when I say that out loud, people go, Oh, don't say that about yourself. I said, no, I have to come to grips. The doctor looked at me and said, you are morbidly obese. You have to process what that means. That means you're going to die from being overweight. You're going to die from not taking care of yourself. I also was pre-hypertensive. You know, that's the beginning of high blood pressure. And um, I had these other things going on too, where when, that, when I grabbed the kids to go sign up, I thought there's nothing for me to lose here, even if I hate it. This is something new for me to try. And um, here I am like, I never imagined any of this was like, never. It's a year and a half later. I have the blood pressure now of an 18 year old. Love and, it. Like I told Paulo, I said, no doctor could do that for me without medication. I've lost 30 pounds. And I think one thing with being off from the gym that I've learned, you know, we've been off how long now? Like six, six weeks, eight weeks. It's oh, been it's been more than that. It's been like two and a half months at least. So we shut down fourteen. Yeah, I've ever tried to like lose weight. The minute I stopped doing it, that weight would be back in one or two weeks. Wes, I have not lost any more weight, but I have not gained weight being off. Like my weight has been maintaining. So it was huge to me because I'm like, this is healthy. Whatever I'm doing is a long-term health fit. It's redesigning my body to maintain properly. And so I thought that was big. If I've learned one thing about what jujitsu is doing for me is like when I'm not at jujitsu, like we've been off and I, I, you know, I do small, I take walks. Occasionally I'm jogging with the kids. Occasionally we bike, but it's nothing like training. I'm able no. to maintain weight and it's not coming back on and nothing has ever done that for me like that. That's so. beautiful. And not to mention you enjoy it. Dude, I love it. Okay. So this is, you know, when I first started, it was that challenge with Chris, like I'm going to get a stripe and then I got a stripe and then I got another stripe. And then you're like, dang, I think I'm going for a blue belt. Like, and then you get the blue belt. And now like Wes, this is my thing. Like for me, this is lifelong. This is it. This is it for me. This is how I'm going to take care of my body as like my temple for the next 10, 20 years, because I started so late. So I have 10, 20 years of goals. And one of the things I always say is like, all of us, whether you're a wrestler, a baseball player, I was a ballet dancer, whatever it is, a lot of us are very physically active in our early years, all the way up into like our 20s. And then like, we kind of stop. And then, you know, I get a desk job, you become a mom, you get married, you do all these other things. And you just never imagine that you could have physical goals again, like something physical that you could achieve. Because you start to lose your body, you know, you're growing older, you're on the downward slump of like, what's going on with your body. And, um, this though, like it's ageless, it's ageless, Wes, 
Like I could do yes. this into my fifties or sixties. Oh yeah. And we have people that do. Yeah. People go, well, don't you get hurt down on the mat? I have yet to sustain one injury on that mat. You know how I get hurt? Picking up my kids toys. Okay. <laughs> I have never gotten hurt on the mat. <laughs> I get hurt from being a mom, but not on the mat. The mat is my safe place. Okay. Yes. For mine. And yes. so I always say like, you know, because I know people say my knees and I have back problems and I have this and I have that. And I say, but jujitsu is so great for it. For me, jujitsu has been low impact. And I know yep. maybe because you sit up in the window, it doesn't look low impact, but come to the mat. You will learn that no matter what you're maybe struggling with physically, jujitsu is, uh, it's not what people imagine. And I wish that like that message was bigger, especially for older women, heavyweight women. It is a safe place. And, um, you know, and it's very, very low impact to my bones, to my body structure, to everything. Yeah. So, so then do you have any inspiration or any advice for the people who might be listening to this, the parents out there who are thinking about getting started, but haven't quite pulled the trigger? Come down, but come down with rules. Tell yourself you're going to do it for three months. You're going to make a three month commitment. And I say that because if you're like me and you've let yourself go a little bit, those first few classes are going to feel real rough. You're going to be a little bit sad. You're going to come to some realizations of how you've let yourself go, maybe physically. Um, you're going to go home. You're going to look in the mirror. And you're going to cry, <laughs> you know, and, um, oh my God, I'm crying right now, but come down, make the commitment, come for three months, allow your body to adjust. And, and you'll have something and you'll not just have something for yourself West. like I've reconnected with my husband like open mat on Fridays is like date night like I cannot wait to go tear Chris up I can't wait to tear me up and like we finally have the schedule and then the kids are right there because that's the hard part is like your kids are always around like how do you incorporate that and take care of yourself and like it's there like Paulo has structured a place that has it all you know, where you can come down, you can feel safe, you can get yourself back. And now I have goals was that like, I never thought I would have, like, I went to tournament and like, I never imagined that, but it just was kind of like building on these baby steps. Like, okay, well now I have stripes. Like, well, I heard this thing called tournament. I don't know. I'm signing up. I'm going. And then like, I didn't know how that would go. And like, it just put me back together again, Wes. Like I fell in love with it and I, I had some beginner's luck. <laughs> I'm going to call it beginner's luck because I went and I did really, really well. And I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but you know, I just went and did my best and, and I got a couple medals and, um, you know, that terrifying feeling when you go to tournament too, is like another thing I just wish parents would understand. Um, I haven't pushed my girls to go to tournament because I've been to tournament and I know what feels like now and I'm not sure they're ready they have to want it because I just feel like that minute you step on the mat that terrifying feeling of like an opponent and it's different than when you're training way way different and I'll never forget my first tournament it was a big girl she's you know unfortunately I have to compete in heavyweight and um that really <laughs> as I get smaller <laughs> my opponents are starting to look bigger because some of them are not trying to get smaller you know, some of them are a head taller than me. They can go up to 300 pounds. I'm not in that bracket anymore, but I'm not making weight either. So I still have to go. But anyway, long story short, she was a little bit taller than me, husky. Um, for my first tournament, I didn't have anyone in my class. So they sent me down to adult 18, which was 20-year-olds. <laughs> and here I was, this old woman. I said, I said to Chris before, I said, I'm going to die today. I think I'm going to die today. <laughs> <laughs> like, I describe them as squirrels with rabies. These young women that are like, like they're just, they're ready to go. And I'm just like, um, ah, okay, let's do this. But I'll never forget that first grip when she grabbed me in tournament. My brain just went, oh shit. And in that moment, I realized this is different. This is not like another day on the mat. <laughs> like these women that, you know, when you go to tournament, everybody brings it. Your adrenaline is oh, yeah. it's so different. And, um, I just really fell in love with it and I, I want to keep going. You know, I was really sad when COVID happened because um, one of my goals is uh, in April, I turned 40 and I thought, Ooh, how fun I'll go up to, there was a, 
tournament in Riverside. And then there was one, you know, just, it was supposed to be a couple weeks ago in LA. And this was going to be my 40 year old run. Okay. I just got my blue belt. I was going to get torn up less. I was ready though. I mentally prepared, like something's going to happen, but I'm going to live. I'm going to go to a tournament and live. And then COVID happened and I didn't get to do like any of these things. And so now I'm like, I'm kind of like biting at the bit. Like, can we please open up? Can we please get going again? Because I was really looking forward to that. And like, I love going to the tournament. I love the learning experience, the camaraderie around women. We're a little different. I think when men, men, you guys like walk around and like sometimes at tournament, I see everybody's like kind of shoulder checking each other in the crowds. It's like, no. Yes. Oh yes. The men are so <laughs> different. Where the women, when we go to tournament, it's so much fun because we're loving and we all hug each other when it's over and we're all happy for each other. And I feel like a lot of relationships, um, you know, through going to tournament of women I keep in contact with, other heavyweight women, um, we kind of have a niche and we get to talk about like what it means to be a heavyweight woman and how we fight and how we train and, you know, the challenges we've all had. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the journey. And now I have other goals. Now this isn't about challenging Chris, except for Friday night open mat. I'm going to pass that's him right. one day, Wes. One day. Get him. Get him. <laughs> Get him. I love it. Damn, Charlene, you made me cry. That's a podcast first. You cry, Wes. But it is like sometimes like I, I, I stop and I just kind of like, you have these come to Jesus talks with yourself in the mirror. And I'm just like, how did I get here? Like if someone told me a year and a half ago, that I would have gone to tournament or I even have a blue belt or like I would achieve these goals like I'm not sure I would have believed it but like as long as what I've learned as long as I just keep going small increments like just baby steps like just keep going like sometimes that's just the goal for the day like if I just go because you just show up there. yes showing up you just show up and you know sometimes it's not easy you know sometimes your kids need you because they always need you but you have to say you know, um, one day we were in the van and kids were just being real bratty, not wanting to go to class. They wanted to go home. Da, 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 da. I turned to him. I said, you know, mommy has class tonight too. I said, mommy has to be healthy. How would you feel if I was not around? And I went totally dark on him, which I don't. <laughs> Sometimes you have to, Wes. Like, I, just I said, look, mommy makes sure you guys have everything in life. And I said, mommy only goes to class for an hour and a half a day. I said, that's mommy's time. I said, you guys having this fit over nothing? I said, look at you stuffing your face with potato chips and Slurpees in a van with air conditioning, going to a jujitsu class, which is a privilege. I said, I don't want to hear this. I said, we're going to class. You're going to put your geese on and you're going to go in there. And if you want to finish your fit, fine. You sit on the mat in your gi and you finish your fit. But I said, we're not going to do this thing where we derail everybody. I said, because I need to be around. My kids are young. They're seven and nine. Like, if I didn't start taking care of myself, Wes, like, I'm a walking heart attack. And so, you know, these are things that I, every now and then you have to remind your children, you know. I think one of my biggest worries, Wes, is like, I grew up in a home that was very poor. It was a single parent home with five kids. My mother left when we were very young, you know, in our our father didn't really want much to do with us. So we were raised by our grandma and everything I had in life, I had to work real hard because when you don't have anything, I know what it's like to sleep on the ground. I know what it's like not to have a meal, but these are the great things in my life. This is what gave me character. This is where my drive came from. This is why when I was in ballet, I was the best because if I was not the best, I was not on a merit scholarship. And if I was not on a merit scholarship, you weren't there. I wasn't going to be there. Right. So, Everything in your life when you raise like that is kind of like this. It's perfection, perfection. And you get this drive from that. And those people go, oh, that's so sad. And I said, no, it's sad, but it made me like who I am. Like, yeah. And I worry for my own children because you want to give them more than what you had, but right. it's so hard to balance that. Like, you know, you give your kids everything, but my kids don't know what it's like to miss a meal. My kids right. don't know what it's like to sleep on the ground you know or to have something taken away or to have like to work twice as hard for something that someone can go buy with money yes so you know one day I told him I said imagine if you were only allowed to go to jiu-jitsu if you were the best in the room I said that's how I grew up and you guys better appreciate you have this so I have what? a lot of those deep thoughts about you know how you raise your kids and 
and give them that drive so they can go to class and they can be successful and they can do things, you know, how do they find that drive in them? What is driving them? And sometimes it's hard with young kids, you know, we're all like, you know, you give them everything that you didn't have, but then you realize the things you have were the, the disadvantages. Yeah, so disadvantages became advantages, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, Wes, I think I think I know enough about you that, you know, you lost your father, right? And I think that maybe that like you know how to hone that in some ways, like like that makes you who you are and you can see that in a lot of stuff you do is that like there's a little bit of drive in you from that, I feel like. Oh yeah, and I was the youngest kid in my grade. I got pushed forward a grade, so I was always the youngest and the smallest and obviously one of the most outspoken and People may not realize this now because, you know, that you're meeting me 15 years into this journey, but I was never born talented. You know, I ran my 40 my freshman year in eight seconds. Like I've had size 12 feet or bigger since I was in like the sixth grade. You know, I had to earn this, man. I had to build this. And it's just come from years and years and years of two-a-days, you know, going to the gym before school and then going to school and having to maintain good enough grades to be an athlete and then going and, and everybody goes to practice. So I got to go to practice and then I got to go for a run after. And, you know, this, this stuff didn't happen overnight for me and it never came easily. I had to build this, you know, and, uh, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would so much rather have to have gone through what I went through and earn it and know what it's really worth than ever have been given it. Like you're talking about with your kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's something, it's a hard struggle, you know, and, and like, I love when Sensei Paulo teaches and he really cracks down on them. Like, I love that. I'm like, that's right. Like put them in their place, make them realize, I mean, he's one of the world's best, best instructors. Like it is a treat to be down in that class. Yeah. And you know, those kids need to realize that. And it's, it's a hard thing to teach and it's a hard thing for them to realize. And, and I tell that to myself, I'm like, how can I let this opportunity go by to train? to train with Paulo. Like, you know, I used to not go to judo and um, then I got um, taken down on the mat at tournament and uh, took silver instead of gold because I did not go to judo class. I vowed ever since that day not to miss judo class and you see me at judo class every time. Most important day of the week. Yes, it is. But I say to myself always is like, what a treat to be there. Like, this is one of the world's best instructors. Like Yes. Like most, most jiu-jitsu schools don't even offer judo. They, that's why most jiu-jitsu players have terrible takedowns, which is why I'm so surprised to see that Tuesday is the slowest day because it's the most important day. How good can your jiu-jitsu be if you can't bring somebody to the ground? Yes, exactly. And you have a world-class instructor in that. Yes. Oh, yes, tell them, Charlene. It's actually, it's funny. I, when I first started going back to judo class, Chris is like, are you sure you're ready for this? Because I, in the very beginning, I tried one judo class and I got thrown the wrong way. And the guy who threw me, he was so sweet. He threw me and he was so gentle. But I hadn't learned how to fall. So it didn't matter how gentle he was going to be. Like, I hit the floor just like as Adam described it, like some kind of pancake. Uh, I didn't understand what had happened to me. I didn't understand. I was like, you know, when you see the little birds. Like, I was like, what's going on? So I didn't go back. And then, you know, I trained really hard to just do. And then after, after a round of tournaments, that's when I realized, like, it, it, you got to have judo. And I always tell Chris, I said, me and judo are like an arranged marriage. <laughs> I didn't want it, right? Like, I don't really like you. I don't like you, judo. But I know if I stick with you, like, one day we're going to kiss and one day I'm going to love you, okay? Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> just like an arranged and I told him the other day that, like, I got to take judo, um, like, we're, we're warming up to each other. I got to work with an upper belt in judo class. And what a difference that made. And I think it was Tim. And I wasn't really for getting thrown yet after I had, you know, been thrown, not the, you know, didn't know how to fall is what it was way, way back when. And so the, I was always hesitant. You know, I had that reaction of, like, when someone goes to throw me, I stiffen up, which then makes me a horrible partner for them and one day I got to work with Tim black belt Tim um, I'm sure he probably was not thrilled to work with me but oh he was so great he was so great to me and he threw me I, I said okay like this has been my fear this has just been and he worked with me on it and he threw me and he threw me again and I warmed up to it and ever since that day I'm like, I can do this like like okay like I'm warming up I like you now like we're mm -hmm. really I actually like you 
And so now judo is like one of my favorite, it's, it's my favorite day of the week. Chris loves nogi, like Wednesday nogi. I'm like all about Tuesday judo. Like it just enthralls me to watch Paulo. It just enthralls me to be in that room. And the more I learn it, because I gave it the opportunity to try to work through that, like, you know, the falling and the break in the fall. And that's really what I learned I had to work on. It's not about being thrown. Being thrown was the easy part. It's like learning to fall. And, yeah. um, and then and to, learn to be a great partner, too. Mm-hmm. To me, jujitsu is much easier to learn than judo. Because, like, I don't know, you, you have... I can't really describe it, but I think you have more opportunity. It takes less to be skillful in jujitsu than it does in judo. Whereas judo, I think of it like golf when it's like 90% of the balls that I hit, 95% of the balls that I hit don't go where I want them to. But that one time that you hit a perfect throw and you just lift somebody and they go perfect for the perfect ride. That's like the best feeling in the world. It's like the drug, you know? Yes. Yes. And I tell Chris that Chris is like, None of the blue belt, you're going to get torn at that tournament. I said, I don't care whether I win or lose as a blue belt in the beginning. I know everyone's like five years on me or whatever, and they're big, and they're probably going to tear me up. I said, but what I would really like to accomplish that tournament is a clean takedown. Whether I win the match or not, whatever. But if I can have that beautiful takedown that's deliberate, where I said I'm going to do something and I do it, and not have a takedown where it's like, oh, okay, we kind of stumbled and then we fell, and yeah, I got the better position you know but that nice beautiful like you said move I said I think I would be really happy with myself so that's kind of like one of my goals right now um you know I always hear you ask people like oh what's your favorite submission or what and I thought to myself oh I gotta be ready to answer that and I'm like I don't even have a favorite submission because I don't work on submissions like I work Mm. on my takedowns I've been working on pressure um other things but I haven't really been focused on submissions and I really had to think about that one and I I don't even think I have a favorite submission because I, I just can't make anything happen for me. <laughs> well, it's important to learn how to play position before submission, though. That's why we always say that. So if that's where you're at in your stage of learning, then, yeah, then so be it. Yeah. yeah. So then what's your favorite takedown? Do you have a favorite takedown? Um, well, favorite takedown, Dylan uh, works with me. I take lessons with Dylan, too. He's really prepared me for tournament. Like, Dylan is like my little kryptonite, you know. He gets me mm-hmm. ready, and I would not have done well without Dylan. If I had gone to tournament and never took those lessons about what tournament was or how to earn points or, like, there were so many questions, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't have done as well as I did. But um, Dylan, uh, he's worked with me on some, like, taking down of the legs um, because we're trying to work out how you take down a heavyweight. And, and it's a little different. You know, heavyweights, oh, yeah. we stand for a long time and you watch our matches. It's not like we're flying in the air and pulling guard. We're not flying through the air at each other and doing like a flying guillotine or whatever. You know, we don't spring like that. We're big, right. we're heavy, and like the takedown takes a while. Like if you watch any of um, my matches, which are super inexperienced and boring, it's just no, a lot stop. of stand-up because we're big and we're heavy and like you can't just like swiftly take a 300-pound woman down. Like it just right. doesn't happen that way. So I don't know. There's been some little combos I've been working on. I don't know the name of everything where you kind of come forward, you kick the leg, you go like you're going to do a hip throw, but instead you Osoto. Yeah, you go Ouchi to Osoto Gari. That would be called. Okay, so I don't know the name yeah. of everything, but that I like. I like that a lot. Um, I think that kind of if you get the foot combo right of it, I think it kind of mm-hmm. surprises people. Don't worry, you'll be speaking Japanese in no time. <laughs> Just keep coming to judo class, and you'll be speaking Japanese before you know it. <laughs> and I, I wanted to tell you everything a waza. It's a waza. Let's go do yes. <laughs> <laughs> waza meaning technique. You can't go wrong with that. I love it. I, I want to tell you two things. Oh, I want to tell you two things. So, number one, stop selling yourself short because I know you say, "Oh, I'm going to competition and it's amateur and la la la." But I know for a fact you've come home with some gold medals. So I think you're doing all right. Thank number you. Number two, I started off as a blue belt, zero and two. I, I lost my first two matches and I drove up two separate days to go own one. And I cried in my car so hard after because I hate to lose, right? For the next year and a half, two years of my blue belt career, I finished out 22 and seven. So. Yeah, super excited because you put up some stuff on Instagram and you train in the mornings a lot. So I don't always get to see you um, in training and you put up that video on Instagram. I was like, 
Dang, Chris is right. Wes is an animal. <laughs> he becomes a mall baller when he can't get you. <laughs> well, I appreciate I that. It, I was like, wow. That's, uh-huh. that's pretty impressive. I had to watch it I'm, a couple times. I'm just trying to be the best version of myself. You know, Adam says a good standard. I don't like comparing myself to other people. A good standard is, would you whoop yourself a year from now, you know, or a year ago? Oh, that's and, a good uh, way to put it. Yeah. Well, I like your approach to it too. You said bite-sized goals. Just show up, stay in the gi, finish the shrimps, and look at how far that's taken you a year and a half later. That's incredible. Yeah. And Adam Heck really, yeah. you know, he, Adam's such an old soul. He's like a thousand-year-old man and a young man. Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like going to tournament and I was like telling him, that's just another day because I didn't really want anyone to know either. And then I realized everybody was looking at the charts on their phone in the gym and I'm like, oh man. They're gonna see me. They're gonna see my name. They're gonna, and then um, nobody really knew. But Paula must have known because I think they get emails when people from your gym sign up. And he must have told Adam because Adam came over and was like, "Yeah, it's just another. I'm just gonna go. Let's just pretend like it's another day at the gym." He goes, "No, that's not how you go to tournament." He says, "Go," and he says, "Understand, you earned your right to be there. You yeah. earn the right to step on that mat. You earn the right to put on that gee. And it's not just another day. Remember how far you've come." He says, do you see many other people there? No, because it took a lot of work to get there. So it is not another day in the gym. And I really had to process that, what he said. And I, and I take that with me every time I go, you know, you walk in the arena, I try to just like soak in the smells. I soak in the sounds. Um, uh, even the sound of tournament when you're on the mat, it's just, you just hear, it just sounds like tons of everyone yelling, 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 yelling. It's like that sound do this, do that, and everyone's hollering, and, like, like, it's so exciting, Wes, it's so exciting, you know how it is, it's, like, oh, yeah, not alone, like, to savor that, and to hear that, and, like, how different that is, but, um, it's interesting, Adam's, Adam's so much fun to talk to, I, I think I could talk to him all day, He's so you're fun. telling me, you're telling <laughs> me, I really admire Adam a lot, I aspire to be like him in, in many ways, and something that, that works for me, when I put a little bit too much pressure on myself is just to remember you come back to the gym on Monday and win or loss, everybody's still going to be happy to see you. We're not going to love you any less. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. And I, I you know, you connect with everything and everyone. And uh, it's like, even with us, I always feel like we connected about diet. Like you were so encouraging when I was talking to you about like calories and diet and where I was at and what I was trying to do. like, you were kind of a wealth of knowledge because I can't talk about that with everybody. You know, not everybody understands you know, what I was doing or what I was trying to doing, trying to do anyway. And you were like super understanding. You were kind of checking in with me and like it, all those little things make a difference. Like I try to be that person now. Like I try, when I see like someone new coming in, I try to be encouraging because I know how much it meant to me. Like the days where I thought I wasn't going to make it and somebody just says a kind word, you know, I'll never forget. Um, one of the early people who's so encouraging to me was Jamal's wife, Jez. I don't know if you know Jez, like she probably mm-hmm. doesn't even know it, but I pop into functional fitness and she always, you got this girl, come on, you can do it, keep going, you know, like she was like always there kind of saying those things to me and she'll never know what that meant to me in that moment, like the times I wanted to quit, like just those small words and so, you know, as I see new people in there, days where I go, you know what, today's not about me, today's about like going over to that new person on the mat and like making sure they're comfortable because that's going to be my partner too one day. Like, I want that person. I want to train that person up, you know, especially the women. Whenever we get new women, I'm like, eh. Like, sometimes I'll jump belt group to go to white belt group, and people don't always understand. It's not that I'm looking to, like, just go work some white belts. I'm actually going over there because I saw someone new come in, and I want to be that nice person to, like, help them through it because I know how uncomfortable it is. Yes. For women, it's intimidating. Like, sometimes there's two of us and, like, 30 guys in the evening, you know, and if you're the new one, <laughs> like that just amplifies it. So I love to like kind of be like, you know, today's not about me on the mat. Like, you know, I'll still come. I'm training, but today's about like maybe I can work with this person because I see you. I I want you to be, you know, a partner for me down the road. You know, you want to help somebody be the the best version of themselves. Yeah, yeah. 
that's such an incredible part of, of being at the gym, like that, that sense of community and that sense of accountability. I feel like that's part of my purpose. Like part of the reason that I'm there for adults is because maybe you are having a rough day and I don't really know the significance of it in your mind, but sometimes people come up to me and they say, you said this to me one day and I don't even remember saying it and it meant so much to them and it means that you're still there and it means you're still improving. And that just, that means so much to me. Right, right. And you're like that too, Wes. You don't realize it, but you always have like this upbeat, positive attitude. And you've always, you're always just kind of upbeat and you'll say your little piece and like, you don't realize it, but things you say stick with people, you know? Well, I'm just really happy to be there. You know, it's given me so much. And like you said, it's my safe place. It's, uh, my nickname for the gym is The Sanctuary. Because no matter what is going on with your life, with your partner, with your kids, with your inner thoughts, with your parents, with anything external, you leave all of that at the door. You get an hour of serenity where you don't have to worry about all that. I'll have those thoughts creep on sometimes when I'm on the mats, and I go, uh-uh, not right now. I have something to worry about. I don't want to get strangled. So Yeah, yeah. It, it really, like, takes your mind off everything. And I feel like as long as I hit the mat, when I go home, I feel accomplished, you know? It's okay Definitely. to find yourself at that point for the family. It's okay to go an extra mile for them and, you know, maybe lose a little sleep over this and that because you've done what you needed for yourself and your soul. And, and like I said, it's the long-term goal of it. Like, it's unimaginable, Wes. Like, I actually see myself. I'm like, I want a black belt. Like, I want to be in it for the long haul. You know, like, goals that I didn't think would ever, like, it's so unintended. You know, this started off as, like, you know, Chris and I teasing each other, and now here we are because I took this lead down his rabbit hole. Like, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have started. And, you know, like, there's so many things, and sometimes I look at that white wall over there, or actually, I shouldn't say sometimes. I'm going to say every time I come to the gym, and you walk by that wall where all the black belts are hanging, I'm always like, there's kind of one huge gaping hole. I'm like, you know what? That's where I'm going to be. That's going to be the first woman hanging on that wall right there. Like, yes. Grace is on. I'm like, that is my spot. If anyone comes. <laughs> Tell them, mom, Charlene. Like, you try to have those goals because if you don't, you know. But, like, I see it, and I'm huge on visual, visualization. If you can see it, it can happen. Like, if I can see myself on that wall, like, wearing a black belt, I can get there. I just have to. Oh, yeah. Coming. Yeah, that's it. The so secret is just keep showing up. Yeah, that's, that's everything. And it's hard. It's, it is the hardest part. I say all the time, like, people go, oh, isn't it so hard? And I said, that's the easy part. Like, if I'm in class, that's easy. The hard part is driving from my office, getting the kids, and getting there. That's the hardest part of my day. If I can make that, like, 35 minutes happen of getting in the car and driving to the gym, the rest is easy. It's easy peasy. I'm where I need to be. My mind gears up. Like, and it's there. You know what I mean? Beautiful. Let's end it right there. Oh my God, Charlene. Yeah, yeah. This was amazing. This is a fantastic conversation. Thank oh, you for great. coming on. No, yeah, thank, thank you for talking me. to me. My pleasure. Yeah. Hey, do you have anything? Uh, what'd you say? I said I'll see you next week. What are we going to Yeah, say? hopefully soon. I was going to ask you if you had anything else that you wanted to, to leave on. Yeah, I think that's good. Cool. All right, Charlene. Well, I'll look forward to seeing you and Chris and your kids hopefully very, very soon. All right, Wes. I'll see you later. Take care, Charlene. And there you have it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you'll be alerted when new episodes are released. And check out SDBJJ on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and at SDBJJ.com. Take care.